four, four or five weeks, I believe this is what God had us to do. And it's been new, new year, new you, new year, new beginning. And the first week we talked about the woman at the well, how she, um, through, through Christ, helped her understand how we need to have a new heart. You need to have a listening heart. You need to have a prioritized heart. And you need to have a connected heart. And those three things we learned the woman at the well had. And then the second week we talked about Joshua. And we learned that God spoke to him and, and, and gave, told him what his purpose was, that he had promises for him, and that his presence would always be with him. And he said, the same words that I gave all the way back to, to the Israelites is for you. And we learned that those same words that he gave to him is also for us, that we have a purpose, that he's given us the same promises, and that his presence also will always be with us. And then on week three, we talked about the persistent widow on how, how not to give up praying. We, we feel like we're bothering God because we go to God so much. And God's like, no matter how small it is or how big it is, we talked about this unjust judge, you know, and how he helped this little widow woman because, just because she said, he said, she's wearing me out. You know, and sometimes we feel like we're wearing God out because we don't feel good enough. We don't feel like we deserve it. We feel like we go into it too much. And he's like, you are never coming to me too much. You are never wearing me out. You can always come boldly to the throne. It's not come boldly to the throne whenever you're feeling good. It's not come boldly when you're having a good day. It's not come boldly whenever you feel like that you um, haven't asked him in a little while. It's always come boldly and keep asking and do that. Last week we talked about real friendships. We talked about different kinds of friendships that we need to have and how a lot of times as Christians we um, are not friends with people who don't believe like we do and how we need to bridge that gap and find a common denominator and be a friend and love our neighbor and find ways to talk with people that, that don't believe the way we do. And the big thing is, is you know, talk about things that you do agree, agree on and how will they ever be reached if we say, you don't agree with me, so therefore I'm not going to talk to you. Okay? How can you ever share Christ with them? And so today we're going to talk about um, vision. New vision, um, specifically what God has vision for you. And then right in the middle of it, I'm going to throw in a word that God gave me um, about Kingdom Impact for 2022. Um, and then we'll finish it, finish it out there. Um, but vision is very powerful. It's always good to look into the future. And, and whenever I was in, I, I had visions whenever I was in elementary and in middle school. I used to have visions. Now the teachers call them daydreams, okay? But, uh, because they said, she even put on my report card, Doug, Doug daydreams all the time. You know, I, I, that must have been something spiritual going on back then, I feel like, you know. My parents didn't feel that way, and my backside didn't reflect that it, she, they felt that way. You know, but they said he daydreamed all the time. So maybe, maybe it wasn't a vision. Maybe I was just daydreaming. But, uh, but we want a better tomorrow, right? And so if we're going to do that, we have to make progress. And if we're going to make progress and think about the vision of the future, it has to involve God. Any, any, any decision that you have that's in your own ability alone is not going to be good enough. You can't do it in yourself. You can't, you can't, you know, you can only go so far. You can, you can do a little bit because, you know, we are humans and we got some capabilities, but we can only go so far without Christ. So if you really want to go far and you want to know the destiny that God has for you, you got to search out and, and, and look for God and say, God, what is your vision for my life? What plans do you have for me? And we know that God does have plans, you know, because Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper. You give you a hope and not the future, not to harm you, right? Um, and then we know in Ephesians 2.10, and um, in the new NIV, it says, For we are God's handiwork. I always quote, and it's back there on that door when you leave, um, the New Living Translation, when it says, You are my masterpiece. And you hear me quoting that all the time, because I'm really big on making people understand their identity in Christ, on who they are. I feel like there is a pandemic of, of, of misidentity in this world. 
Um, and people, teenagers, children, and adults don't know who they are in Christ. And so therefore, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you don't know the authority that you ha have, then therefore you really can't do what God's called you to do because you don't believe in yourself. You know, so, so I'm really big on, on, on pushing that. But you, you know, and I mentioned that. I've probably said it 10 million times, but I don't always read the rest of the scripture. But it's just as important. Listen to what the rest of it says. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works for, for God has prepared in advance for us to do. See, so God already has a vision. He's already prepared. When he created us, he created us with a purpose in us and a destiny. And, and, and all along our destiny line, he's created things for us to do and to be a part of. Uh, and he had a vision for our whole entire life. He said, I knew you before you were formed in a womb. He had a big, long vision for us, right? And so it, some visions is for everybody, to win the loss, right? That's right. We need souls, come on. That's what I'm talking about. I want souls. That's one thing that I am passionate about. I want souls in this house. And we're not going to have souls in this house to receive Christ if, if you don't invite them. I try my very best to invite and to love on people and, and to invite them. But I need, we need the whole church to be a part of that. And then when we, when we get them in the church and receive Christ, then everybody's job is to make disciples, right? Not just let them be saved and say, okay, praise God, you got saved. You're on your own, bud. Take, take care. You know, that's what a lot of times we do. And it's our job to make disciples. But then there's all kind of other things in your life that, that God has for you to do in your per personal destiny on where you need to go at in Christ. And it's up to you to walk in that reality. So we're going to talk about that today. And we need to know that if, if you're going to know what God's vision is and you're going to walk in that vision, you really have to trust him. You really have to trust him. And that's the problem with Christians today um, is that a lot of us at times, all of us at times, sometimes have a trust issue with God because we feel like we knew better but his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts and we got to go back to that and realize that he's a good God and say you know what God you know what's best for me and I pray your will be done and here's what I prayed for but I pray your will be done so I'm gonna be okay with it and quit trying to doubt God and we just need to have total trust in him you know whenever I was a youth pastor I used to talk about trust and I would say you know this wall is pretty steady and you can you you can trust this wall right and I can get all the way out here and, and, and trust this wall that's going to hold me up. But if this wall moves one quarter of an inch, I'm going to bust my head wide open, right? And that's how we need to trust God that same way. That I, I can get far out and stretched out far as I can go, but I trust you. I know you're not going to move. Amen? Praise God. I'm feeling this already. We ain't even started yet, holy. Obedience. Obedience without trust is only compliance. And we'll find that out here in, the, in, in, in our story today. You know, if you, if you obey somebody but you don't trust them, you just did, you, you ain't, you don't, there's no, you, you just did what they did. You just complied. There was no trust in that involved. And then if you have trust with no obedience, then you really don't trust them. Okay? So, so here we're going to talk about this today. Today we're going to talk about in the book of Acts, um, Acts of the Apostles, we're going to talk about a man named Saul. Okay? Now this is not King Saul. You know, a lot of times you hear me talk about David and King Saul and all this kind of stuff. That, that was the evil king in the Old Testament. This is Saul in the New Testament, Saul, the Saul of Damascus. Um, I'm sorry, Saul of Tar Tarsus. And so, so um, but this Saul actually is the same person as, does anybody know, Paul. Okay, that's, that's what's amazing. That, that, that this person I'm going to tell you about, everybody has this great vision of Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was so powerful. You know, he's, you know he said all these wonderful things. No, you know, he said all these wonderful things to you and, and all these wonderful scriptures that nothing can separate you from the, word of, from the love of God and all this kind of stuff. Nothing. 
But, but once I tell you who he was before he was Paul, if you haven't studied it and you're kind of new to the faith or maybe you just didn't really look at this part, you're going to be amazed at who, who he is. So anytime I'm talking about Saul today, I'm talking about Paul in the future, future tense. Well, now past tense now, but it was future when he was Saul, okay? So, but Saul, if you don't know anything about him, he was a zealous Jewish man. He was a Jewish man, and he was very zealous. And because of that, he was all about obeying the law. He was all about the Jewish law and Jewish tradition. And if it was in tradition, he did it. And if it was in the law, he followed it. And if you didn't do it, and you didn't follow it, then he was going to get you. And he was going to show you, and it was going to be a big situation. He was so zealous that he became up into, into the, the, the Jewish leadership pretty quickly. And in his younger years, shortly after Jesus um, rose from the dead, uh, one of the disciples was, was sharing the gospel of Jesus, and we find out who Saul really is. And you're going to be amazed at this if you hadn't read this before. In Acts chapter 7, it says, and then it says um, this is whenever Stephen was sharing the gospel to Jesus, I mean, to, to people. He was, he was sharing, saying, hey, God, Jesus is the Messiah. Stephen was standing up for Christ, trying to share the gospel. He, even before Paul began to share the gospel, he was sharing, saying, Jesus is the Messiah to come. And, and the Jews, we know, that, that stoned Stephen. And they stoned him. And this is where Stephen looked up, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And remember, you remember last year I told you that it's the only place in the Bible where it says Jesus stood at the right hand of the Father. He's always sitting, sitting at the right hand. It says he stood at the right hand of the Father. So whenever you stand up for God, he stands up for you, right? So, okay, here we go. Acts chapter 1, um, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and 3. Here it is. Listen. It's going to blow your mind. Saul was one of the witnesses and agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now this is the future Paul who's preaching life and love. He, he agreed with killing of Stephen. And then, and then it says in verse 3, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. And Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. And he went from house to house, dragging both men and women out to throw them in prison. That don't sound like Paul, I know. You know, you know but he was. And so, so, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little life, life point right here. Uh, you already know, you, because uh, it's not a secret, you already know where I'm going to go with Paul, who Paul ended up being, right? You know, he, he suffered for Christ, but he was, he was Saul. And so, don't ever count anybody out. I don't care who they look like, what they're doing, what they're involved in. Don't ever count their, God's ability to turn them around for him and be somebody that, that, that you never would have been amazed for him to be. Amen? Okay, so, um, this was Paul's history up to this point. He was not, he was not a good guy. Now, we've come to the story of Saul becoming a Jesus follower. So let's find out how we did this. We've got a lot of scripture right here, but I want to really give you some good context before I start. And um, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. This is Paul now. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters in a, that were addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in an arrest of any followers of the way. Is there, are there any followers of the way here today that would, might, that would have been arrested? I'm a follower of the way, a follower of the truth, and a follower of the life, right? And so any, if you were a follower of the way, you see, a lot, of pe a lot of Christians today wouldn't make it back in the day. They threw us in prison, and we had a little persecution. We would just turn, right up, turn our back on God. Because some, some people truly are not truly following God. They're just, they're just going through the motions, right? And so, but he was asking for the motions, the followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. 
this was a rough cat, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, he wants to bring him back in chains. He just didn't want to throw him in prison. Let's bring him back in chains. Okay, and then Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 9. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission to try to go do this, a light from heaven shone down on him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? said Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Here, now listen, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the same sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. So, so you can't say, well, he was crazy, this was all in his mind. No, other people with him saw the, the same, saw what Saul saw. Heard what? So, okay, anyway. Saul, you got, did you get it? Okay, you got, you got it, right? Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him to Damascus, and he remained there for three days and did not eat and did not drink. Okay, now we're going to talk about, find out about where Jesus was talking to Ananias. Ananias has a very, 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 very big, Paul seems to be the person everybody talks about in the New Testament, but Ananias was pinnacle in everything that Paul has done. In chapter 9, verses 10 and through 16, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go, to, go over to Straight Street. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. Go to Straight Street. I just, I just didn't think of, and it was, I don't know, you know, okay. Listen to this, to the house of Judas. Judas lived on Straight Street. He must have, he should have been on Crooked Street, right? Okay, he was crooked. But when you get there, ask a man from Tarsus named Saul. Okay, he's telling, he's telling Ananias this to talk, go find Saul. He was praying, he is praying for me right now, praying to me right now. So he said, you go see Paul, he's praying to me right now. This guy that was killing Christians and persecuting Christians, he's praying to me right now because he's blind. And I have, I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias, which is you, coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, he exclaimed, um, Ananias, I have heard many people talk about terrible things about the, what this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized um, by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon his name. But the Lord said, Oh, my, oh, for Saul is my chosen instrument. My chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings and as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And if you know, there's a scripture that talks about how much he suffered, how he was whipped and beaten and left for dead, and he was shipwrecked, all kind of stuff that he did for Christ. So, so he kind of reaped what he sowed in a way, didn't he, right? But there, this, this is Ananias', um, Ananias is dilemma. You know, maybe you, you already see it. The Ananias, this didn't make sense to Ananias. Why would I do that? You know, why would Jesus cho choose Saul, who kills Christians, to be a leader? To bring the Gentiles to Christ? Wouldn't he be the last person that you would want? And then also, if I go, I could die. How about that there too? That bothers me. Right? So I'm going to talk to you about three things today. Vision doesn't always make sense or feel safe. And then I'm going to talk to you about the word for, for, for um, kingdom impact. Vision um, is made complete by obedience. And then number three, and I'll, I'll quote these again in a minute. Vision returns more than it costs. Number one. 
Vision always does not make sense and feel safe. Whenever we came up with a funnel cake festival, we were sitting back in that room, and it didn't make sense. We're like, we never heard of a funnel cake festival. What is it? What, how would, you know, we, we like funnel cakes, let's make it a festival. But we're like, how would you even do that? What would you do? You know, it didn't make sense to us, but we really felt in our spirits like this is where we're supposed to go. Operation hands and feet. We, we, know, we know my brother-in-law you know, brought, brought the idea to us and was telling us that it worked down there. I'm like, but will it work down here? Look at our church. Look, look at our community. We're a smaller church. How is this going to happen? And dear God, we got a tra- this back trailer back here is jam slammed full of clothes. You go back in that room beside my office, two-thirds of the way up to the ceiling is full of stuff. All kind of coats. I mean, it's a blessing. It didn't make sense to us. But God's like, you don't have to make sense. I got it and I'll show you. If we wouldn't have acted on it, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Okay? And so, so there's times that God's going to tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. You know, when it became time for me to be a youth pastor, it kind of made sense to me. But when it came time for me to step out six years ago um, to be a, a pastor, that did not make sense to me. Because I was going to be the 85-year-old youth pastor. Watch up, homies. What y'all doing? I was going to be chilling with the, with the kids, you know, always, all my life, you know. But the thing is, is that God had other plans, and I just had to trust Him. And when I knew it was God, and once I felt that in my spirit, that this is God, then I just had to go with it, and I just had to trust God and obey Him and walk through the steps. Maybe it's, for you, maybe it's something simple like being kind to your boss, and you're like, that's a mean somebody. I can't do that. But God says, love your enemies. Maybe it's obeying your parents, and you're like honoring your parents. But God says, obey your mother and father that you might live long. That's why these young kids are dying so quickly, because they're not obeying their parents, right? That's what the Scripture says. Um, but, but, but the thing is, is that's, that's God's plan for you. God could ask you to do something that has risk to it. And that's what really scares us. If we don't make sense, that's one thing. But when there's any kind of risk to it, we have to step back and think about it a little bit. That's going to cost me. We're so, pan- we're so much pansies, right? We don't want anything to cost us. We want the glory of God. We want the power of God and the authority. And we want to be this good Christian. And we want to walk. And we want the anointing of God. Let me tell you what. Whoever you know, think about the most anointed person that you know. Whoever that is in your life. I don't, and maybe it's somebody on TV that you've seen that you really think is anointed. That maybe is a good pastor, a good Christian. You know, and, but, but maybe it's somebody in your life. Maybe it's somebody in your family. The most anointed person you know. Now, if you go ask them... Have you ever been through any hard times? I hope you got a couple hours to sit down. Nobody gets anointed that doesn't go through nothing. You never, somebody that is anointed, you, they will, you will never talk to them, and they say, well, hey, I've had a pretty daggone good life. No, no, mm-mm, uh-uh, psst, ice, nope, isn't happening. So um, the thing is, is you got, you got to say, you know, you, you got to know that there's a risk with it, and you got to go forward and say, hey, I'm willing to take this risk. Some, you know, even, even something as simple as, as ties. I've, I've had people, you know, people with ties are like, hey, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm scared to do this because, I, you know, because of my money, this and that, the other. And every, everybody who has paid ties has always come back to me and said, man, you wouldn't believe what God did through my obedience. It was a risk, but that risk paid off. As a matter of fact, it's a risk that the Bible says, I dare you. Just try me. See what happens. You know, maybe, maybe it's to talk to someone about Jesus. Maybe it's for you to get out of your comfort zone and, and talk to Jesus, and, you, and you're getting taking the risk that they might reject you. Maybe it's changing jobs. Maybe, maybe it's something else. Maybe something else that feels risky that you're not understanding. Now, Ananias um, feels like this doesn't make sense, and there's a risk. But the thing is, is we, when, we, when God talks to us, we don't need to ask, is there a risk, and is it going to cost me anything? You know, and, and, is, it, and uh, is it... Makes sense. What we need to ask is, 
is this God? Did you hear that? You don't ask, is there a risk, and does it make sense? The only thing you ask is, is this God? And if this is God, it does not matter about the rest of it. Okay? God steps into our world and surprises us sometimes. It makes us uncomfortable. You know, he shakes our logic sometimes. It stirs up our fear. It makes us say, are you sure, God? I mean, anybody besides me ever said, are you sure, God? I know I have a lot of times. We feel like God's speaking to us to confess, to serve, to let go, to believe, to trust, to give, to work, or whatever other verb you want to come up with. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. What God is putting in front of you uh, is a message today that, 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 that maybe it's this week or this month or this year that, that God wants you to, to go. What, what is it that he's putting in front of you? What is it that you're scared to do because there's a risk to it? What is it that you're scared to do because it doesn't make sense to you? Put all that aside and ask yourself right now, is it God? And if it's, if it's God, go for it. And go for it with all your might. You know, that's how it was with Ananias. He was risking everything to go see Saul. Because he, he, he was told that when you, you see Saul and he knows you're a Christian, he's going to either throw you in prison or he's going to kill you. And he steps forward. Despite his fears, he had a vision. And once he said, this was God, all of a sudden, it's natural. It is natural. You're a human being. You have emotions. When God first speaks, you will be, a lot of times, fearful, scared, anxious, all this kind of stuff. But once you ask that question, is this God? And then when you know it's God, all of a sudden, that kind of stuff goes. You may, be high, you, know, you may be a little anxious, but you won't be full of anxiety. Vision does not always make sense. And so I want to go to my word. Don't, don't put it up there yet, John. I want to tell you this word for a year. And, you know, how do I know what's from God? Well, because I feel like it is, it, it, it is makes me a little uncomfortable. You know, um, it's, not, it's not this big word. Y'all are not going to go, <gasps> okay, it's not like that, okay? But it's a word. I feel like I hope you'll feel it in your spirit when I do. You know, and, and, and the thing is, how, how do I know? Because I was looking at a word, and I had a word in my mind that I felt like God was talking to me about. And I was like, but God, that's a boring word. That word does not fit. Really, it's just so generic, and I just don't want to do that. You know, and he's like, no, 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 just look it up. And I felt like he was leading me to look it up, look up synonyms of that word. And then I came to this word. And honest to God, the moment that I saw this word, Holy Spirit began to, to speak through me. And I was like, I'm just sitting here looking up, looking up stuff in the dictionary and stuff, and all of a sudden I have a whole, this Holy Spirit encounter all of a sudden. And I was like, at that point, it, making sense and all that stuff didn't matter. I knew that this was my word. I, I, I didn't have to ask nobody. I, I, when Holy Spirit speaks, it's over. It's done, son. You know what I'm saying? Okay, and so then I had two, two, two people that I really trust greatly that I spoke with, and, and they, they also confirmed, because the word Scripture talks about it being confirmed by two other people. Okay, and, and the, the, the Word um, doesn't make, um, make sense, but here it is. It's, it's simple. It's not that big a deal, but it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big deal for us. And the Word is recover. Okay, the first word I had was rest, and then I went to recover. Now, why does, that, why, why, why does that scare you? Well, first off, it does not make sense to recover in a pandemic year. It does not make sense to recover when inflation is higher than it's been in forever. It does not make sense to recover when gas prices are the way they are and the government is like that. It does not make sense to recover when the stock market is like it is. But let me tell you what, when God gives a word, he does not check the stock market. When God gives you a word, he does not stop and say, let me look at the, the, gas, infl- the, the gas prices. Let me think. He doesn't care. He's not moved by that, and we shouldn't be either. We need to say, God, you spoke this word, and I can't wait for it to recover all these things that you're going to endure this year so I can give you the glory about it. 
And we need to understand that our ability to thrive is not based on the government, our ability or the economy, our base to, to, to thrive is based on God and God's word spoken to us. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And that's why you can sit and relax and say, God, this, this is good because it's going to be so much you. And whenever we succeed this year, and at the end of this year, we succeed, it's going to be because of the fact that, you know what, God, that you, are, you, you did it. You know, well, why, why, why did you pick recover? Why did you start with that? Well, because, you know, January, we haven't celebrated it yet. We're going to celebrate it in March. But, but January the 23rd was our, our six-year anniversary. And I was like, six is the number of man. I don't want to celebrate the number of man, okay? You know, and I think it was, I think what it was was the, um, I think it was wood or something. I'm like, I don't want no, I don't want to do all that. Normally we, celebrate, we, we, we talk about the year that we, just, that we just had an anniversary. So it was our sixth anniversary. But I was like, okay, I want to go deeper than that. We're getting ready to go into our seventh year anniversary. Okay, so what happened after the sixth day into the seventh day? What happened on the seventh day? They rested. Right? And so that's where I, I started this process in my mind with when God was leading me down this little path. And I was just following his trails. And I got to that. Then I got to rest. And then I was like, you know what? Synonyms. Uh, recover. And when I saw that word, man, it, took my breath and the Holy Spirit just began to really speak through me in a powerful way so so what but what do you do when you're sick and you go to the doctor what do you say I lost my appetite I've lost weight I've lost my voice you know but the thing is how do I get it back and he's like well for you to recover those things here's what you got to do now if you say I lost my my taste and my smell you just got COVID that's all that is that's not spiritual at all you know what I'm saying that's just COVID Okay, but, but, but you know, but, he, but, but see, the thing is, well, I lost my voice, okay? But here's the thing. Your voice is still in you. It's just suppressed. I've lost, uh, I've lost my appetite. You, your appetite is still there. It's just being suppressed because of the sickness and disease or what have you, you know? I've lost weight. Well, you, the ability for you to expand is still there. You've just lost weight, but the, the ability to expand and expand your territory is still there. See, I believe, you know, so when you, we, we, we go to the doctor, but here God did it backwards. He, he already gave us a diagnosis of, on how to get stuff back before he gave me the word. What are, you, what are you talking about, Pastor Doug? Well, 100 days of glory. How do we get back? How are we going to recover? By doing this 100 days of glory. We're, we're focusing on 100 days, 100 minutes a week of praying, praying, 100 minutes of reading, which is like 15 minutes a day, praying and reading. We're fasting, you know, change, change your fast how you want to, do it all the same thing. You know, and then the first, first month in January was um, spending extra t gener generosity, but spending time, generosity. February, our focus for generosity is um, acts of kindness. So we just ask that you do acts of kindness this whole month. So reading the Bible. So God said, if you do all this right here, this is your, this is your prescription. You, you, you be part of this 100 days of glory, and, then you, and you're gonna, that's part of what our recovery process is. And so we're, we're, going to, we're going to do that, and we're going to expand, and we're going to, to reclaim the hunger. We're going to re reclaim the hunger that maybe that some have lost as a, as a church. We're going to reclaim that. We're going to re recover joy and peace and health and prosperity. You know, um, we're going to recover our finances. There's all kind of things that we're going, that we're going, to, that we're going to get and get back from, from, from what we have, have lost. And it's because of the fact that we're going to recover because we are listening to God. And, yes, it's uncomfortable to say that, but we're going to do it anyway. And we're not going to do like Achan and get, and, 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 and get something that is not ours. Achan, um, David said, go take everything, leave everything there, destroy it, and come back. Achan grabbed something and hid it, and it messed up everybody. It was a curse all over them, right? And so we're not going to do that. We're going to be more like Job. You know, Job, God trusted Job, and when this stuff happened, 
You know, he trusted that he was going to do it. And what did Job say? Hey, man, look here. It's okay. I trust God. He trusted God totally. All this bad stuff happened to him. He trusted God. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I leave. You know, and, and so my, my word for recovery is naked I came into ministry, naked I'll leave. When we came into ministry, we didn't have a church that, that sponsored us, that gave us $100,000 or $50,000 or any money. We came with zero, started with zero, and we built everything we got from the ground up with nothing special like that. And so we're going to be more like Job, but we're going to take that, and we're going to say, God, you know, because this is a year of double. Did you know that? Year 2022. This is not 2020 part two, okay? This is 2022. Matter of fact, what, what, what is February the 22nd going to be? 2 2 2 2 2. That day is the 50th day of our 100, day, 100 days of glory. Okay? The year of double. Okay? And so we're going to go into the enemy's camp and we're going to take back what the enemy stole from us. And we're going we're gonna to recover. We're going to recover in attendance. We're going to recover in our finances, praise God. We're going to recover in faith and hope. We're going to recover joy. We're going to recover our momentum. Because right before, the, right before um, the, um, COVID hit, you know, we were, we were talking about moving out of this place. We had two services and it was going. And we're going to recover our momentum and we recover our dreams. And the Lord impressed me to let you know that you may have your own word. If you don't have a word, please pray and ask God for your word. But no matter what your word is, God, God impressed me that, that this word recover is also, because it's not just for you as a corporate body, but you as individuals as a subcategory to your, whatever your main word is. And God, God spoke to me and said, some of y'all, all this, some of this, I don't know how much of this applies to you, but I believe that some of you will recover your lost children, your lost income, your lost health, you lost hope, you'll recover your identity, you'll recover your dreams, you'll recover peace from anxiety, and some of y'all will recover sleep. So I'm believing that today. So I want you to say right now, I'm going to recover. Say it again. One more time in unison. I'm going to recover. Now say it one last time like you mean it, like you believe it. Okay, there you go. Amen. Recover. How much? Recover it all. We don't want to just cover a little bit. We want to recover all that the enemy has stolen. Okay, now let me jump back into my message. You think about that, and we'll talk about that some more. We'll have some messages on that at some point in time. But I want you to know that I want you to receive that word, think about it, and pray about it, and let God minister to you. And, I, and, I, and you don't have to worry about if it's from God or not. It is. Trust me. I've had, I had the experience, and I just know if you trust me as a pastor and know that I can hear from God. I tell, I, it's been a long time since just that habit of reading until all of a sudden that happened. Um, it wasn't like I was just praying and interceding. It just, just came out like that. But anyway, number two, vision is made complete by obedience. There's something really cool that, that Ananias said whenever he went to go talk to, to Saul. He went to Saul um, in verse 17, 9, 17. It says, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent, to, sent me so that you might regain or recover your sight, right? And be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, he called him brother. He already accepted him into the family of God. Now, that's not like in the old school church. We used to have brother and sister so-and-so, and I used to hate it. You know, I had one man, I'm just going to name him Bob, okay? I'm, I'm right hand of God on the Holy Bible, I'm telling you. He, I, said, I, said, I said, hey, Bob. He said, it's brother Bob. I was like, you got to be teasing me, man. I'm the, I was a hot, fiery youth pastor. You know, I was like, and I said, are you serious? Yes. I said, okay, Brother Bob. I walked off. Jeez, help us, Lord. 
But anyway, but, but he's not saying like that. Like here, he's talking about brother Bob, like brother, my family. Excuse me, I mean snort all in you. But I don't want my nose running in front of you either. Why? Because God. See, well, why did he say that? Because God already spoke it. When he said, "Go get him and go talk to him and go pray for him," he's going to be healed. It's done. You might as well go ahead and accept the fact that he's already there. He's already done that. Ananias goes from worry and fear to complete trust in Jesus. Ananias was obedient to the vision that God gave him completely, and Saul recovered his sight. Obedience without trust is only compliance. But how can he have that kind of trust when the stakes are so high? You have to trust somebody's judgment, their character, at their core. And we can do that with Christ. If our struggle, if our struggles with trusting God, if, we, if you have a, a problem trusting God, you need to go back to the basics, to the beginning, and realize that God's a good, good father. That this person died for you and shed his blood. That God sent his son for you to die. A cruel death just for you if you were the only person on earth so you could get saved that you could receive him and spend eternity with him and realize why should I not trust a person who gave his life for me because in contrast in John 10 10 he comes to bring life life more abundantly but what does the enemy come to kill steal and destroy these truths about God, they, they stir our faith and, tr and, and make us want to obey God, you know. And this is where Ananias was, and it was a, he had overcome his fear, and he did that quickly. And when he did that, it pushed him into action. And God's vision for you, whether it's big or small today, is, 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 is to, to get you to think like Ananias did and to totally trust God like Ananias did. Listen, if it was for Anna, wasn't for Ananias, there, wouldn't, there may, may not be no Saul. Or Paul, rather. We have this Paul, but if it wasn't for Ananias obeying God, how many people out there may be lost today because you didn't obey God and talk to them and share with them? Now, I'm believing in God's grace that he sent somebody else along, but I don't want to miss out on a blessing that God has for me by, by me not being obedient and doing what he called me to do and let somebody else do it. Because if you don't do it, he'll, he'll find somebody. So why not, why can't it be you? Because God can be trusted, and whoever follows after you and does it shows you they can be trusted, and then guilt and shame comes over you. And that's not of God either. Obedience activates God. Miracles happen after obedience takes place. Just keep obeying God. Number three, vision returns. I know we're running a little bit behind, but I have a lot in me today. Can y'all give me a couple more minutes to finish this right here? All right. Vision returns, this is the last point, vision returns more than it costs. Acts chapter 9, 18, 20, and 22. Instantly something like fell, like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he regained, recovered his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Listen to this. This is beautiful. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus. Okay, one day he's killing people. The next day, he's staying with the Christians. Okay? And immediately, began, and immediately began preaching. Talking about transformation. And immediately began preaching about Jesus in a synagogue saying, Yes, he indeed is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. And they said, Isn't this the same man who caused devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come to have them arrested and take them into chains and, leading, and to the leading priest? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute the proofs that he had that Jesus was indeed the Messiah or the Son of God. 
How powerful is that? Is that not amazing? Praise God for that, 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 that Saul, Saul goes from killing Christians one day to staying with Christians the next day to preaching the gospel the next day to seeing people come to Christ the next day. That is so amazing and so powerful. Saul, Saul because, um, became a very amazing communicator. What an incredible story of grace. But it, has, it will cost you something. It will likely make you uncomfortable. It will probably make you, and it may not even make sense. But you've got to step out and obey the vision that God has for you. And you have to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. If you say, well, I'm not going to recover this year. You're not, I promise you. If you say, well, I, no, I'm not, man, this year's going to be so hard for me. Yes, it is. Out of the, the, out of the mouth, the, the heart speaketh. And you're, it says we're snared by our tongue. And words are powerful. And if you go around speaking negative like that, it's going to affect you negatively, and you're going to pay for it. And what you don't believe ain't going to happen. If you don't believe for, in favor, I don't believe in favor, well, it ain't going to happen to you then. But you've got to believe, and you've got to trust God. with it. The seed of obedience sown by Ananias would grow into a fruitful ministry. So, um, Ananias planted the seed that grew in Paul to become all that Paul did writing two-thirds of the New Testament and being the, the amazing pastor he was and leader that he was all because of Ananias I planted Apollos watered but God gives the increase and just because you don't have this great ministry but maybe you sowed into somebody else's ministry that, that became big you have part of that I, to, I told Pastor Brian whenever he gave us a lot of stuff he gave and I said, I want you to know every person connected to your church and to you, even though y'all you know, were, were moving in a different direction now. I said, every one of y'all, every soul that, we, that is saved under our church, we want, we want you to know, we want you to, to rejoice in it because you are part of it because of your gift and sowing seed in our ministry. You know, when people, everybody, when someone sows money, someone gives something to us, I always tell them, hey, you, whatever happens, you're going to be blessed because you planted a seed and all that seed and fertile ground will grow. And I bet Ananias had no idea what his little act of obedience would do. The cost of telling the truth will reap benefits of trusted relationships. The cost of loving your spouse like Christ loves you will reap the benefits of a blessed marriage. The cost of forgiving will reap the benefit of freedom in your own heart and mind. And the cost of obeying your parents will reap a blessing in your life. So what has God got as a vision for you? To start something? Maybe his vision for you is, is to stop something. Maybe his vision is for, is for you to do something that will change the world. And maybe the world is not necessarily big as you think it is. A lot of times it's just your world. My world is where I walk at and wherever I'm at every day is my world. That's, that's, that's the totality of my world. Now, yes, we reach out to, you know, Judea and Jerusalem and Judea to the, uh, and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. But, but, but my world, for you to change your world, it may be changing everybody around you and what you're doing. It's time to trust God. If you could come, Bruce, and play me something here for a minute. It's time to trust God with vision and obey God's vision and watch what God does through your obedience. I want to read you this last little scripture. And this is a scripture that talks about Paul looking back to when he was Saul. In 1 Timothy 1, 13 and 14, 
even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. All that, he, he looks back and saw that it was the grace of God, the mercy of God that took him to where he was at, to where he was, where he was on that day. And you know what all Paul did, how amazing he was. So it's time. I want to tell you today, God don't want no more excuses from you why you can't do it. God don't want no more delays from you. Your act of obedience may not make sense, but it's time to act on it and do it. It may not seem safe, but trust God. You will reap far more benefits than if you never did it. And it will be to your advantage if you obey God. And every bit of pain, God never wastes pain. That's what I was talking about a while ago. The anointing that is on our life, I feel like is the pain of our past squeezed into an anointing oil of God and poured over us. So you're saying the more pain that I've been through, the more not, probably so. Because God does not waste pain. He uses it for your glory and for your honor. Now you can, don't get me wrong, you can be anointed without pain. I even heard a T.D. Jakes one time. Uh, I was watching something, and you may like him or may not, but this story is amazing. He said, this man came up to him and said, he said, he kept asking me, Pastor, I want that anointing you got, Pastor. I want that anointing you got. And he said, okay, brother, God bless you. He goes, I want that anointing. He kept coming. He kept texting him. I want the anointing you got. He said, okay. He said, can I pray for you then, brother? Come here. Come here. Let me pray. I, I want to pray for you that you have the same anointing I had. And he, he, he said, he said, Lord, I pray that, that as a little child that his daddy leaves him. I pray, Father, that he goes through this right here. I pray that he, lo he loses everything that he's got, Lord. And I just pray. And he started praying all this stuff that happened to him in his own life. And the man said, stop, 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 Pastor, stop, 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 stop. I don't want all that. He said, well, then you don't want the anointing I got. He said, because that's how I got it, by going through life, struggles, trials, and tribulations, and getting what I got today came from all my pain. Well, how's that? There you go back to this scripture. Why does that happen? Because God says, I will work all things out for your good. All those things that are bad, he turns into good and, 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 and anoints you and blesses you. And you become powerful. And the more you trust God, the more you obey God, the more he'll allow you to, to, to follow in, the, in the, those steps. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man. Thank you for letting me share with his, this with you today. That became really deep in my, in my spirit. Would you bow your hand and close your eyes? I always want to ask this as much as I can. Is there anybody in here today that would say, Pastor Doug, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I want to be saved. I, I want to experience that. I, I ain't bad as Saul, hopefully, but I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good because I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I, I'm heading on my way to hell, and I want to change my direction. I want Christ to come into my heart. Is anybody here at all that raised their hand and say, I want to receive Christ. I want to come into, into the full agreement with Christ, and I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anybody here at all? Well, how many people would say, Pastor Doug, I want to fulfill the vision that God has for me. All that God has spoken to me, I know it may cost me. I know I may question it. I may, I may even be fearful. Maybe I'm already fearful about it. And I know, God, it may not make sense, but I want to do what God's called me to do and I want to fulfill the vision and destiny that he has for me and I'm willing to do that if that's you would you raise your hand if that's you would you just stand as we close in prayer and you want to you want to fulfill God to do that in your life and you you're ready to do it no even if it doesn't make sense 
you're ready to recover all you're ready to do this Heavenly Father right now in the name of Jesus I just pray over your people over this family in this room God that you will bless them that you would encourage them God that even though they're a little, little, little scared Father Lord to do what you call them to do give them the faith God to overcome Father, even though it don't make sense, let them understand, God, your ways are not our ways. It doesn't have to make sense for it to work. Matter of fact, most things that you do don't make sense, God, Lord, but they always work. Father, help us to trust you and to obey you. And, 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 and now that we, we, we're not going to worry about fear, we're not going to worry about it not making sense, we're not going to worry about the risk, help us to take that step of faith and obedience in the name of Jesus. God, thank you that this is going to be a year of recovery. God, thank you, God, for all the mighty things that you're going to do. God, I'm, I love the fact that you didn't give me any more than that, Lord. I have visions and I have dreams, God, about what you've told me in the past. But as far as recovery for this year, I don't know what it looks like. And I'm excited, Lord. I'm kind of a little scared at the same time, Father. To speak it because, God, it takes faith to say we're going to recover in a year of pandemic and inflation. But, God, I know what's you. I know you're going to bless your people. Your hands upon this house. And in the name of God Almighty. Yeshua, Hamashik, Yahweh, Yeshua, God, we praise you and we thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Let us go forward from here, God, out into this world and begin to fulfill the destiny that you have for us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we leave, I just want to feel led just 